Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Okay, are you there? Can you see me? Can you hear me? I can see you. I can't hear you. Hello. Can you can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, now I can hear you. There we go. Hello. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I am excited to chat with you and get to your introduction and all those wonderful things. But the first thing I do have to do is get through a quick ad read. I hope you understand. I apologize. This is always such an awkward part. <clears throat> Today's episode of 39 Minute Conversations is not officially presented by... Father's Day. Yes, Father's Day was a couple days ago, but in true Father's Day tradition, I forgot to record this ad last week. So what we have here today is a late Father's Day ad. And is there anything that says Father's Day more than doing something half-assed and doing it late? If you're a regular listener to this podcast for some reason, you've heard me do ads for my father before, realtor in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. But this ad isn't about the great deals he can find you on beautiful houses on the intercoastal waterway, beachfront condos, homes overlooking the wonderful golf courses. No, this isn't an ad for the Myrtle Beach lifestyle that's waiting for you, the fresh seafood, the buzzing nightlife, the chill mornings with sand between your toes. This ad isn't about the simple fact that from Little River down to Polly's Island, there's no better realtor than Tim Arnold, timbeachrealtor at gmail.com. No, this ad is about Father's Day itself. It's about honoring my father as a human and a dad, not just the realtor who can find you the best deal in all of the low country. Last year around this time, I was home in Myrtle Beach for about two months. My dad had had a, um, a very serious surgery, and I went home to be there for that and to help out after. And, um, you know, it was a really rough, scary time period in all of our lives. But I'm happy to say that this year he's doing much better, back to his old self. I love my dad. I'm very glad he's still with us, almost as glad as his many satisfied real estate clients who are now living their dreams by making a home in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Realtor at gmail.com. My whole life, my dad has done what he had to do to support my family. My mom put her teaching career on hold to raise my sister and me. And my dad worked a lot to keep our family afloat. He did what he had to do because that's what, you know, good parents do. Jobs that he didn't love. Jobs that didn't satisfy him nearly as much as his current job, TimBeachRealtor at gmail.com. My parents are, to this day, people I turn to for love and guidance and support. And the fact that, you know, while I'm on strike from my career as a writer and apparently unable to find a day job to save my life, someone in this family needs to make some money. Tim Beach Realtor at gmail.com. Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. Please sell some more houses. I'm hungry. Tim Beach Realtor at gmail.com. And hello, I am Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones, but I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. My guest today rose to the ranks of the TV writer's rooms from PA to writer's PA to writer's assistant to staff writer and story editor. Her credits include Turner and Hooch and 4400. These days, she is a strike captain, which is a full-time job in and of itself. Please welcome... Jackie Penn. Jackie. Hi. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am so excited to have you. Um, for context for the for the listeners, you and I actually met recently for the first time in person at the uh, Boy Meets World picket at CBS Radford, and you were very kind. You made sure I got in a picture with the cast that came out. I was 
very awkwardly um, like, oh, do I ask for one? My niece will be so excited. I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to. And you were like, no, 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 get in this one. So you you made that happen for me. Um, we are... <laughs> <laughs> you did. And I appreciate it. Um, you know, we'd already been emailing each other about this podcast before we met. You were referred to me as someone that I should interview. And once we met in person, I was very excited that we already had this uh, scheduled. I am very glad for this opportunity to chat more. So yeah, once again, just thank you for, for, for being here. Yeah, of course. Most of the time, I do try to start these interviews the same way. Um, this podcast kind of uh, it came out of the pandemic, turning me into a bit of a shut-in. I used to do like improv and sketch comedy and different things. And I, you know, I'm a shut-in now. So I wanted to do something performative and social from the safety of my uh, own home. Um, so I do want to ask the, these, these last few years, how have they been for you? How did you stay sane? How is 2023 Jackie maybe different than say 2019 Jackie? Wow. Yeah. I think about that often actually, because I think, you know, I'm, I would say I'm an extrovert. So mm. I think I, I'm still an extrovert, but an extrovert that like, doesn't do all of the things anymore. And I sure. think that has like the pandemic changed that and uh, that part of myself. So I, I go to things now, but it's kind of more like, I, I guess I'm a little bit more selective. Um, I still am not a huge fan of like very, very crowded things. I think mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people kind of are dealing with that from um, the pandemic. I, I just get kind of nervous with large crowds of people. I'm still thinking mm -hmm. about possible germs, which I hope one day that I can like not feel feel that way. But um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go out. Um, I don't do it as much mm -hmm. uh, as I used to. So like, I, I guess I'm just more selective about the things that I'm doing. Um, you know, socially. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that what kept me sane, honestly, um, friends, you know, I had text threads that I had with friends, um, you know, watching a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. movies. Sure. Um, I wrote a lot. Uh, also, I'm a big reader. So I read a lot as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, worked out at home, which I continue to do. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, said I went I went through so many different variations of like working out at home and then eating everything I could find. So it's, I definitely, you know, the pandemic was interesting for me in, in that way. One, but um, one thing that you mentioned that I just want to, I don't know, it just flashed for me for some reason, I'll get into it. You're a big reader. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be, I would like to be again. I feel like my attention span is gone. And like I'll, to mm -hmm. this, like to this day, um, I don't know if you've felt this, but like when I've had like, general meetings with people obviously like it'll be the first like one of the last things i'll say is like oh if you ever like read a book or something that like you think would be great like let us know so nowadays when i read a book like for pleasure it's like i'm like 10 pages in and i'm like this isn't a movie and like <laughs> and like i stop reading it how do you still i guess how can i find pleasure in a book that's outside of work like how do i like these two worlds are so combined how do you do it you know, I think for me, because I would say like, ugh, so hard reading and TV were both my first loves mm -hmm. as a kid. So I think I they just hand in hand. But I think for me, reading was always like a chance to escape. I mean, that's what, you know, writing is also. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, when I was an assistant, that's when it was really hard for me to read, right? Mm -hmm. Like as assistant. Because you're, um, you're reading scripts all the time. Scripts, doing errands, like, mm -hmm. you know doing scheduling and all of that kind of stuff. So 
those are my down years of reading actually. And then once I, you know, got staffed and we had the pandemic, like you stay at home, then that kind of like helped me to get back on track. So I just read for pleasure. I just go in mm -hmm. and I don't like, I'm just reading to read. So I, that would be my advice is just to read, to read. And like, mm -hmm if you love the book after, you know, then you could be like, oh, maybe this could be a movie or it could be adapted for a TV show. But I think I just go in as like, this is a, a time for me to like, you know, recharge to like mm -hmm. do some self-care. And that's kind of how, like I said, I got through the pandemic. Well, the height of it anyway, like yeah. just kind of separating it from everything else. And mm -hmm. just when you're reading, are you are you pick, do you picture actors or do you, cause I do like, I, I think that's part of the problem is I'll start like casting it in my head and then be like, well, who could play this part? No, there are no 18 year olds who could open a movie close. Book. You know, I don't, I like just, I mean, I'm probably like thinking about who it could be, but like, they're usually non actor people mm. in my head. Mm -hmm. And then again, like I said, if it's at the end and I'm like, Oh, this is really good. Like if this was, you yeah. know, a movie or TV, who could play this part? So gotcha. I think it's just, you know, trying to train your brain maybe to shut off that part. <laughs> I can try. Is that, is that an ever after poster behind you? Yes. Oh my gosh. One of my, okay. I'm a huge Drew uh, Barrymore fan. Mm -hmm. I also have never been kissed over here. Nice. And then ugly bedding. You can't see it, but Jane, the Virgin, but I love Drew Barrymore. So she's great. That was like my sister's favorite movie as a kid. I saw it several mm -hmm. times. It's very I've, good. I've seen it so, so many times. I can't even tell you. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. And it's one that I feel like has been kind of I don't know, forgotten is like not forgotten maybe is the wrong word, but it definitely deserves its flowers more. Like it's just a yeah. very good movie. It's a good it adaptation. So good. And like, I mean, that was like years ago. And it was like a very like well-written script, like mm -hmm. just great acting. And like it's a it's a good movie. It's, it's a good movie. So everybody listening, watch Ever After. Um, watch <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna get into strike stuff and more later which is you know obviously how we met but the first things first i want to get to know you more as a person and a writer you are from youngstown ohio i am from west virginia originally so we're kind of neighbors i know a few people from youngstown um what was it like growing up there um it was and yeah what's just youngstown like what's the vibe I mean, Youngstown is one of these like, you know, steel mill mill like cities that kind of like once those closed down, that mm -hmm. kind of like was the big business. So I didn't get to see Youngstown in those like glory days, if you want to call it that. Sure. Um, so I think like growing up, Youngstown was still trying to find like the next thing to like, you know, kind of sustain it as a city. Mm -hmm. I always think of it as a small, a small town. I mean, it's not that small, but like to me, About sixty thousand people, I think, according to yeah, according to Google's last this last instance on Google. Yeah, so it's small, right? Like, yeah, pretty small. Pretty small. Usually, people know each other through other people, like which kind of like the industry here. Once you know one person, you know like yeah. many. Um, and I think growing up, you know, I. Listen, I think Ohio is a great place to grow up. I'm I say really the same thing about West Virginia. <laughs> it's a great place to be from. Yes, to be from. So I'm very appreciative of like, 
you know, um, growing up there. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I knew once I got to high school that I like was going to have to leave, mm-hmm. um, especially like, you know, to pursue other things. And, you know, yeah, I have really good memories of, of growing up there, but again, just small town. Yeah. <laughs> you want to explore and do other things and travel um mm-hmm. for me personally I have friends who still live there my family sure. still lives there but for me I kind of wanted to like spread my wings so. sure yeah no absolutely I think I think I felt the same growing up uh my hometown was similarly like it was a coal and railroad town so same kind of thing industry dying I think my town has like eight or nine thousand people in it now and had very like a little bit more when I was there but not that many more so like we grew up in kind of a similar uh place I think um were there any shows or movies that you saw when you were a kid other than maybe ever after that you fell in love with and that like made you realize that this is what you wanted to do with your life oh man you know I think tv had like such an influence on me I was the kid that like you know tgif was like a staple for me I like yep I used to like plan my like limited social (laughs) and like Friday nights were like sacred. So I Mm -hmm. I think as a kid, I think those shows, all those shows that came on kind of really, um, I don't know, like made an impact on me. And I think that carried over into like high school and, and, you know, college. And I kind of decided to shift to TV writing later, Mm -hmm. but I think the foundations of all of that probably stemmed from like me watching like, TGIF and I think those kind of maybe sometimes appear in in my writing so those are probably the ones that I remember the most like Mm -hmm. from early years but then just you know just a lot over the years like Ugly Betty I mean I was older when Ugly Betty came out but like Mm -hmm. that one was the show that I really thought like oh this is kind of like the thing that I would like to do that was like heartfelt funny with drama Mm -hmm. um yeah um no that's great um you mentioned kind of coming to writing later I do want to get into that um you went to the Ohio State University first as pre-med then switched to Spanish then you went to grad school and I want to get all your credentials right here you got an MA in Spanish literature an MED in curriculum and instruction a BA in journalism and a minor in English so my question is are you by nature an overachiever um, yes. Mm, okay. <laughs> Overachiever and someone, I would say my husband and my friends are always like, you know, it's okay if you like don't do that sometimes. So I have to like remind myself, yes, I think, yeah, I've been this way since I was a kid. So also a nerd and I like sure. learning. So that's also the other part of it too. <laughs> Um, so after that, after, after all that school, you taught Spanish for a while. Um, how long were you, were you teaching? Let's see. I taught for about, uh, seven years. Okay. Around there. So at this point, years in school, good job teaching Spanish. And I want to ask this because it's something that I think I've struggled with in my area, in my life. I want to see if it was similar for you. You know, we're from these similar areas about as far removed from Hollywood as you can be. Um, so for a while, you know, I, I, I knew that I wanted to be a writer and I had no idea how that would even happen. Um, so for a long time, I think I was looking for like, maybe this job will make me happy enough. Maybe this, 
Maybe like, I don't have to try to figure out writing if I'm like news will work for me or I can manage this movie theater or whatever before I finally took the plunge and moved to LA to give it a shot. So is that what was going through your head? Is that what you were thinking about too? Did you already know you want to be a writer? And yeah. I would say, you know, I used to say, oh, I didn't know I wanted to be a writer until later. But then mm-hmm. last summer when I was visiting my sister in New Orleans, she was like, no, actually, you said you wanted to be a writer when you were eight and mm-hmm. that you were going to move to Los Angeles. I do not remember this. So she's mm-hmm. like, I'm not surprised. This is what you end up doing. So I guess I did know as a little kid. And then along the way, like you said, uh, from Youngstown, like, how is that even possible? I loved TV and I loved movies, but I didn't, I never thought it was something I could do. So I thought I was looking for like a stable job. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how I fell into teaching after I decided, you know, organic chemistry was like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so yeah. And I think it just took me a little bit of time, but you know, if I go back and look at all the things I was doing, before, you know, I moved out here, I was already being very creative and and doing things. I just, it took me, um, I guess, some time to realize that like, that was the thing I wanted to do. And I guess to find some like courage to like go for it. Yeah. At what point did you decide to, at what point did you move to LA and say like, I have to, I have to give this a shot? It was my last year of teaching. So um, I had taught um, at the college level for a little bit, just as an adjunct. Um, then I taught a year out of high school. And then um, the last grade I taught was seventh grade and they were adorable. <laughs> Great age to teach. And I, it was just during that. Really? Middle, I yeah. think a middle school is the worst time in my life. Oh no. Eighth, okay. So seventh grade, it's right before the switch, right? Okay. So they still really care about like what, you know, their parents think, you know, what teachers think their kids were still like giving me hot, like that they're still really like it's the last little I don't want to say baby but you know what I mean that's sure the last, the last but before they turn into little monsters like like oh, well they're still the, kind of children the the switch <laughs> it happens in eighth grade right okay. so like that's kind of when it happens so it was a really good age and I and I loved working with that age group but it was like in the middle of that school year where I kind of had this epiphany of like wait I really want to pursue, you know, working in television and mm-hmm. thank goodness my husband was very supportive and he was like, okay, let's, let's figure out how you're going to do this. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's kind of how that all started. I was going to ask if you, if you were married out there and came out here with your husband, or if you met him here, that's interesting that like, it's very nice to have that kind of relationship. That's like, I have a big change coming, like a big new thing I want to do and have the other person be like, fuck yeah, let's do that. Like, that's really, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and he's been really supportive and he, like how we got out to California is he applied to graduate school. So he was doing a career change too. So we were both doing it at the same okay. time. Uh, and, you know, I, that's how we got eventually to Portland and that's how I got on my first show. And then mm-hmm. that show led to me like getting, uh, you know, on a show down here. And and then he switched his career again during the, <laughs> during the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. So, I mean, so this both- is... Supportive, you know. <laughs> this is both of you. What 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 is he, what has been his career path and trajectory? Not that this podcast is about your uh, about your yeah. husband. This is all about you. Yeah, he uh, before he made his career change, he was in um, uh, international education. So he was working for UCLA, and then the pandemic happened, and um, he decided to go into uh, therapy. So he oh wow. 
working on his license, uh, his hours for his uh, full license. So that's what he's doing. That's great. That's amazing. Um, You mentioned that your sister said that she knew you were going to be a writer when you were a kid because you were writing and talking about it. Do you remember the first thing you ever wrote? Do you remember like what that was? No, not the first thing that I ever wrote. The thing that I kind of remember, I guess that has stuck with me, is Mm -hmm. that um, when I was in high school, like a freshman year of high school, we had this, I think it was, I was an AP, an AP English. Again, it should have all been very clear to me because English is like my favorite subject. Like, sure. I don't know. How, I don't know. How I didn't know. <laughs> One of the assignments we had read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and you had the option of like doing like a regular like test or you could write an essay or you could do like a creative thing. And mm. I decided to write um, a journal as scout, like talking about the the book and like journal entries and stuff like oh, that's that. Cool. Yeah. And that was my project. And that has all, I always remember that because I had so much fun doing that. Um, yeah. So like, you know, kudos for that teacher. I had really great teachers that were allowing me to like really explore that creative side, but that that's the thing that I, I still remember um, that mm-hmm. project. At a lot of my listeners, which a lot is, of course, an overstatement, but my listeners are largely, you know, pre-WGA up-and-coming writers. And so let's, I really want to get into a little bit more about how you got your foot in the door, how you got started uh, in the industry. You started as a PA, you said in Portland, were you a PA, PAing in Portland? I was, I got my first job as a set PA. So set PA um, in Portland and then came yeah. down here. So, and then you worked your way up from PA into, got into a writer's room as a PA, writer's assistant on the all the way. Um, unfortunately that path is kind of feels like it's disappearing lately, um, in the age of mini rooms and shortened seasons, you know, largely brought on by streaming. Um, obviously we're trying to negotiate about that and, um, part of why we're on strike. Can you talk a little bit about that path of yours and why it's so important, uh, that it exists for up and coming writers? Yeah. I mean, man, it's, it's so important. I came in with the mindset of like, you know, I'm going to have to set up, start at the bottom because I like didn't go to school for film intelligence. Sure. So kind of like new for me personally. It was the only majors you didn't get. Like, right. Adam. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, as a set PA, I was able to like really get and understand like how set worked and like the different departments and all of that. And then, you know, I was an office PA and a line producer's assistant, but then becoming a writer's PA, I got to see the other side of, of things, you know, kind of assisting the writers and like got to sit in, in the room, like while they were pitching story ideas and like arcs and things like that. And then that really helped me when I became a writer's assistant, um, just like seeing firsthand kind of how, you know, the sausage is made, I guess is what people would say. But um, I had really good writers at that point who were, you know, invested in kind of like, like interested in what I wanted to do and I kind of could learn from them. And I think it's just super important um, that, you know, that mentorship, right. And if you don't have an opportunity to kind of like be an apprentice, uh, so to say, um, then it kind of like, how are you supposed to like continue to learn and grow? Um, And I, and also as an assistant, I think it was great because I got to like pitch sometimes and it was before the pressure of being like a staff writer. So like everyone was like, Oh yeah. Just like, if you have a great idea, like just we're open to hearing it. So that's nice. Yeah. Kind of, like help me, 
you know, learned from them how they were pitching. And I kind of like, you know, adapted that to like what I felt was comfortable. So by the time I was a staff writer, I think that really helped me, um, mm -hmm. those experiences. So I think it's really important that, you know, to get your foot in the door to kind of like have these opportunities to learn. Um, I think it's vital. Once you became a staff writer, did you get to um, be on set for your episodes? Because that's also something that's a little bit in contention, obviously, like, you know, yeah. one, of, one of the authors of the, of the NBA negotiation was, you know, uh, oh, you'd bring an unpaid writer down, like an, like an internship kind of thing. Did you, did you get that opportunity? You know, unfortunately for Turner and Hooch, I did not because mm -hmm. it streaming. was it's streaming one, but I mean, the intention was for us to go to set. Oh, okay. But then we were in the heart of like the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So we were, so, and we were shooting in Canada and at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, their COVID restrictions were very, very, very strict. Yeah. So we could only let, there was only a couple of writers who could go up and cover all the episodes. So gotcha. I didn't get to do it for Turner and Hooch, but I did when I was a story editor on um, 4400, our showrunners were like, adamant about all of us going to set and being able to produce our episode which that's amazing it's great yeah. and we were a, a cw show like r.i.p to cw as we used God, to know yeah it. yeah um and what i'll say one of the great losses of the cw right is that we had such like diverse programming and mm -hmm. all the writers who wrote for those shows came up the ranks and they were able to go to set and produce their episode so like mm -hmm it was really like educational for a lot of yeah. writers. So um, CW for, you know, in a lot of ways was a training ground that writers don't get a ton anymore. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's still like some scripted stuff on, you know, the networks that will, that'll happen, but it's rarer and rarer, but CW felt like it almost, it felt like sort of like a way in for a lot of writers. Yes. Um, you mentioned Turner and Hooch, and this is something that we talked a little bit about on the picket line. And um something that you've experienced that I've also had some other guests who've experienced. I haven't talked a ton about it on the podcast yet, but I would love to get into it with you if you're willing. Um, if it's, I do think it's, you know, kind of a, an important thing that we're dealing with right now. This first draft writer job, Turner and Hooch, uh, all those episodes were recently pulled from streaming on Disney plus alongside a, a number of other shows and movies that were, you know, taken off of Hulu and Disney plus. Um, and that's another thing that keeps happening, whether it's, for tax write-offs or avoiding residual payments or whatever the reason, we don't really know, at least not publicly other than the tax write-off thing, is a new practice and one that really sucks for both viewers and creators. How did you find out mm -hmm. that Turner Hooch was being, being pulled and what was your reaction? I found out uh, on, like, it was on Twitter. Oh, great. <laughs> so, like, I found out, like, everyone else found out, um, mm -hmm. which was, I think is always an awful way to find out, like, yeah. things and, um, you know, Disney Plus, like some other shows you can find, hopefully, on some other streaming service. Mm -hmm. Disney Plus shows, it's only on Disney Plus. Oh, you yeah. cannot Did, find you're going back in the Disney vault. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a real like, okay, wait. So, like, this show that I worked on is no longer going to exist anywhere. Yeah. Like, and then it became like, how can I, you know, save my episode for myself um mm. because like once it's gone it's like gone so there was a lot of like scrambling and figuring out how I could have a copy just so it's like it did exist <laughs> at one time it was there um which <laughs> luckily I was able to, to figure out a way but um yeah I mean it just 
it's awful, right? Because, yeah. you know, you look, people look at your credits, right? For like mm-hmm. other jobs. And it's like, well, what was this show? And it's like, well, you can't watch it anymore. But like, I did watch, I did work on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's hard. I'm sorry that happened. Um, let's talk a little bit about the strike itself. You're mm-hmm. serving as a captain. You're out there on the picket lines every day. Just, you know, human to human. This is a lot of, it's a lot. It's a lot emotionally. It's a lot financially it's a lot physically so just first of all how are you like how are you holding up during during all of this oh I mean I guess it depends on the day right some days I think are better than others um I really feel like coming off of like last week last week was a really good week um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah I think it just it's like an ebb and flow right and I think what the good thing about this is is that there are other people we're all going through this at the same time we're all going Mm -hmm. through this together so I think it's really like brought us a lot closer um so Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not the only one going through this so I have a lot of people to talk to about it um I think the special pickets um really really are helpful I, I I know that there are some people might be the smaller you know percentage of people are like yeah. oh this should be serious and like you know you shouldn't be having fun but that's just like Aaron I, Sorkin and we can ignore him right right because it's like <laughs> well listen this is not I mean picketing isn't fun right no not knowing when this is going to end that's not fun like you know people are rude not making money that is also not fun so you know for us to keep motivated and to continue to like fight you know for this i think we have to be we're creatives so we're mm-hmm. going to find ways creatively to kind of like keep our our spirits up and i think you know all of those things like those give me you know so much like boost of energy also the support we've been having i i know 0708 was a little different but like I feel like we have so much support um, from like so many different avenues um, and people just like dropping food off to us, like just all the things that people are doing. Um, that's kind of like what's really getting me through. And I think getting a lot of us through. So, um, yeah. You mentioned the special pickets, which I think are are great. Has there been one or two like, oh, this I'm this is the best like I'm having the best time this is like this was for me feeling almost okay so I mean there I mean there's like FOMO right because I'm at Warner Brothers most of the time sometimes I can sneak out and like go to other (laughs) other lots for like the boy meets world which loved was great it was great great. TGI (laughs) I loved it so that and like I got to go to Bay Day at like, you know, for Beyonce at um, Rafford. Then they had a CW, like WB picket at Warner Brothers, like all mm-hmm. of the shows that I like grew up watching. Um, and then I got to do, um, uh, be a co-organizer for um, the No Host Stripper uh, takeover. And I'm, I'm a pole dancer, um, not a stripper, but, a, you know, pole dance wouldn't be what it is without. without Obviously, stripper. yeah. You know. And um, I was so happy to like let them um, be involved and they had their own labor fight that was like Mm -hmm. 15 months long. So that was really fun to be able to bring both parts of myself. Like, you know, I pole dance and I write. So like, it was great to have them and 
um, they're very inspirational um, too. And they're giving us like words of wisdom and like also trying to like lift our spirits. Um, but yeah, I, I just love it all. Like those are the ones I'm highlighting, but the ones I continue to see, I think everyone's just being so creative. Like they're all, they all seem like, I wish I could go to all of them. Yeah. Um, I recently signed up to be a captain myself. I haven't done my first shift yet. Um, what can I expect? What is my day going to look like? Walk me through it. Um, okay. Don't, don't scare me too much. I will not scare you. I, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm, I'm at Warner Brothers, but I'm just, all the lots have great teams, but like, usually I I'm a morning captain. So I try to get there by eight 45, just to kind of like check in with our lot coordinators, kind of talk about like, what are the special pickets today? Like, you know, um, get that like are we having any food trucks that are coming any donations things like that so kind of getting the lay of the land mm-hmm. and you know i choose my sign which is like <laughs> listen i feel like the sign is a mood it sets the mood right so you like try to get there and pick your sign oh yeah very important very very important um and then usually uh sometimes we're taking um new picketers or who haven't been to that particular lot we take them down i'm at gate two three which is like the bigger lot the bigger gate mm-hmm. at others and then you know we go down there we unload our truck basically with our like you know our snack table or cones to kind of we do cones at warner brothers to kind of help guide Mm -hmm. people what our route is it's a big lot it can be confusing yeah to like pick it um and then it's just like you know answering questions for people again if people haven't been to um gate two three want to know where the restrooms are like you know things like that sometimes it's like helping maybe if we have a a food truck helping them get set up like you know we had on friday we had abbott elementary and had um the teachers union was there and nurses and they wanted to do like some speeches so it was kind of like organizing that with them so it's kind of like everything (laughs) like whatever whatever, you're just there to help facilitate you're there to help answer questions you know also to make sure people are like crossing the street in timely matter, like, mm-hmm. you know, not blocking things. Um, because we also, while we're there and we're there for, you know, our reason, like to pick it, we also want to make sure that we're like, you know, don't give the studios a reason to like, let us not pick it there. So, right. um, yeah, just kind of there and, you know, making sure everyone knows like, you know, how we're supposed to be picketing things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I feel like you'll have other captains there and they'll support you and, and uh it can also be fun uh, you meet lots of people yeah uh, which i think is great yeah i guess i like meeting people uh yeah. on on your website you say that your trademark is that you always wear a flower in your hair yes. as you are right now yeah. and you said that there's a story behind it that you're happy to share i don't know when else i'm going to get this opportunity yes. please i would love to know so back in like 2014 i used to like where my hair chemically straightened and I decided not to do that anymore for various reasons. And I sure. cut off my hair off and it was really, really short, like the teeniest, teeniest little act. <laughs> and I was very self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend, a friend said, well, why don't you wear like a little flower? And um, I started doing that and I've just, it's just become part of me. Like I really liked it. The, uh, it used to be like a, a smaller flower before and now I like kind of really love plumerias and it's been a plumeria for the past like seven years um so I have uh-huh. lots of plumeria colors and I like you know try to accessorize based on what I'm colors I'm wearing and uh yeah so people like 
recognize me. On the <laughs> sure. Uh, Cause sometimes I have the captain hat on and, you know, we're all like dressed out in like active wear. So they like, Oh, I recognize you flowering your hair. So <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like part of me now. So yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. It's good to have a trademark. I don't, I need to work on one and figure it out. I, yeah. Is it always a real, like, is it a real flower or do you have? I wish it was a real flower, okay. but it's like a little, you know, sure. uh, I don't know what your material is, but it's on a little bobby pin. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. But either way, yeah. either way, lovely and good to know. Um, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in pursuing this career to up till now? Oh, I think, wow. Um, to be flexible, right? Mm. I think, you know, you can have an idea of what you think your career might look like or like what opportunities will come to you. But I think being flexible and open, um, I think is really important in our industry and in our, in our profession. And just knowing that like, you know, maybe you don't get on the the show you think that you should be on and you wind up on something that's actually better for you. So mm -hmm. just being open and flexible, um, you can learn from anywhere. So I think just being open to that. Yeah. As someone, you say on your website that you like to write um, uh, female-focused stories. Um, I wrote down what exactly you said. I've, I've forgotten it. Uh, fish out of water, female-driven. Um, but what's it like, like you just kind of alluded to, what's it like kind of adapting your voice to somebody else's room? Because that's not something I've... I, I'm mostly a feature writer. I come from sketch a little bit. But that's not something I've experienced before. What's that like having to sort of adapt to someone else's voice and room? You know, I think you kind of like, you go in and you like hear what their vision is. So you're, you're always trying to serve the, like the journey that they have for these characters. So I think, yeah, you just try to get on board with that and go, okay, like maybe if this was, you can't even go like, oh, if this is my show. Like, no, this is the character. This mm -hmm. is, this is the journey you want to take them on. So I think just kind of really buying into that, that you're, you're there to like, you know, get those characters to like the end goal basically um and it's just fun you know some of those characters i feel like when you talk about them in the room um you get to really know them very well so it, mm -hmm. it seems like it would be hard but like as you continue to talk and you know break story i think it becomes easier um yeah we have about two minutes left a little under so i want to give you this opportunity before we move on to the last round of questions where we get to know each other on an even deeper level get to know your soul um, I wanted to give you this opportunity to, um, where can people follow you? Is there anything that you want to plug, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I am on all the socials, um, mm -hmm. mainly on Twitter. I think it's Jackie pen 18 on Twitter. And then on... I'll put, I'll put, I'll put it in the, in the description. Okay. Great. And on Instagram, I think it's JLPen18. I'm okay. on Facebook. I tend to like keep Facebook for like, sure. We don't even, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, that's where you'll, you'll find me. I'm, I'm like on Twitter a lot, especially for the strikes. I'm always <laughs> on <laughs> Okay. So with our remaining time, this is when we get into sort of the deeper, more philosophical uh, questions of life. And so, Jackie, I want to know what do you think happens after we die? Oh, wow. That's a question. Um, I don't know. Hopefully we, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would love to come back as like uh, reincarnation, maybe someone's guardian angel. I, hmm. I don't know that that's what I, 
That's what I think will happen. I get to come back. Hopefully. You're such an overachiever that you you want your afterlife to be a job. You're being assigned guardian angel. Um, when you do pass away from this earth, as we all eventually do, what do you want people to say about you? I want to, you know, besides being a hard worker, that, you know, I was someone who led with kindness and um, tried to leave, you know, um, leave the world better than, than it was, and that I tried to help people. So Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39-Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes, and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay, too. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.